Hi, this is Laura Bolgreen, and today we will be reading Genesis 35. Then God said to Jacob, Get ready and move to Bethel and settle there. Build an altar there to the God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. So Jacob told everyone in his household, Get rid of all your pagan idols, purify yourselves, and put on clean clothing. We are now going to Bethel, where I will build an altar to the God who answered my prayers when I was in distress. He has been with me wherever I have gone. So they gave Jacob all their pagan idols and earrings, and he buried them under the great tree near Shechem. As they set out, a terror from God spread over the people in all the towns of that area, so no one attacked Jacob's family. Eventually, Jacob and his household arrived at Luz, also called Bethel, in Canaan. Jacob built an altar there and named the place El Bethel, which means God of Bethel, because God had, had appeared to him there when he was fleeing from his brother Esau. Soon after this, Rebekah's old nurse, Deborah, died. She was buried beneath the oak tree in the valley below Bethel. Ever since, the tree has been called Alan Bakuth, which means oak of weeping. Now that Jacob had returned from Padan Aram, God appeared to him again at Bethel. God blessed him, saying, Your name is Jacob, but you will not be called Jacob any longer. From now on, your name will be Israel. So God renamed him Israel. And then God said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. You will become a great nation, even many nations. Kings will be among your descendants. And I will give you the land I once gave to Abraham and Isaac. Yes, I will give it to you and your descendants after you. Then God went up from the place where he had spoken to Jacob. Jacob set up a stone pillar to mark the place where God had spoken to him. Then he poured wine over it as an offering to God and anointed the pillar with olive oil. And Jacob named the place Bethel, which means house of God, because God had spoken to him there. Leaving Bethel, Jacob and his clan moved on toward Ephrath. But Rachel went into labor where they were still some distance away. Her labor pains were intense. And after a very hard delivery, the midwife finally exclaimed, Don't be afraid. You have another son. Rachel was about to die, but with her last breath, she named the baby Ben-Oni, which means son of my sorrow. The baby's father, however, called him Benjamin, which means son of my right hand. So Rachel died and was buried on the way to Ephrath, that is, Bethlehem. Jacob set up a stone monument over Rachel's grave, and it can be seen there to this day. Then Jacob traveled on and camped beyond Magdaladair. While he was living there, Reuben had intercourse with Bilhah, his father's concubine, and Jacob soon heard about it. These are the names of the twelve sons of Jacob. The sons of Leah were Reuben, Jacob's oldest son, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, and Zebulun. The sons of Rachel were Joseph and Benjamin. The sons of Bilhah, Rachel's servant, were Dan and Naphtali. The sons of Zilpah, Leah's servant, were Gad and Asher. These are the names of the sons who were born to Jacob at Padan Aram. So Jacob returned to his father Isaac in Mamre, which is near Kiriath Arba, now called Hebron, where Abraham and Isaac had both lived as foreigners. Isaac lived for 180 years, and then he breathed his last and died at a ripe old age, joining his ancestors in death. And his sons, Esau and Jacob, buried him. So here we find Jacob returning to the place where he first encountered the God of his fathers for himself. At the time of that initial encounter, he had been running away from the wrath of his brother, whose birthright and blessing he had stolen. And when he stopped in this place to sleep for the night, he had a dream. And in this dream, he saw a staircase going up to heaven with angels ascending and descending and the Lord himself standing at the top. 
And the Lord spoke to Jacob in that dream and, and told him that he had good things ahead for him. The promise of children and land, protection and blessing. And Jacob's response to this miraculous encounter with God was basically, if I make it out of this alive, <laughs> if he really will be with me and protect me and bring me back home, then I'll serve this God forever. And what followed was years and years of reaching and grasping and wrestling to get ahead, to get the women he wanted, to make sure he got the best livestock and gained as much wealth as he could, to outsmart his uncle and eventually to return home and make amends with his brother Esau, but all apparently pretty much on his own terms. There's not a lot of talk of Jacob doing any of these things with God or for God or even thinking of or consulting God at all during those years, which is, is interesting to me, uh, primarily because I think a lot of us think that if only I could have this intense, unquestionable, truly unmistakable encounter with God, then I would believe he's real. Then I would follow him. Then I would never, ever have any doubts again. Or maybe we ask for or hope for that for someone we care about. We think, God, couldn't you just give them a really extra, inarguable, holy and spiritual experience that would make them recognize you? Couldn't you just show up for them in that way? Like, I don't know, maybe a dream where they can actually see heaven and angels and even the Lord himself, something like that. And that had clearly been a profound experience for Jacob because he said, surely God is in this place, and I didn't realize it. So something in that encounter clicked for him. Something changed at that point. But then he just went on with his life. Which tells me that maybe the super spiritual, extra holy experiences aren't necessarily all they're cracked up to be. I recently heard a story about a woman who actually had heard an audible voice while she was praying and, and still convinced herself it wasn't God. It must have been something else. Surely there's another explanation. So I, I don't know, maybe, maybe these big time events, these intense experiences that we crave or that we chase are not really the things that truly change our lives. Maybe instead it's the small day-to-day -day, consistent little by little kinds of stuff that leads to true and lasting transformation. So years later, after that first encounter, after Jacob had lived in exile, married and had kids and built up all kinds of wealth and eventually reconciled with his brother, God directs him back to this spot. He led him back to this place where Jacob had promised to follow him and told him to build another altar there as a reminder and a reaffirmation of the promise of Jacob's promise to God and God's promise to him. And I think that was an act of immense mercy because honestly, I don't know if Jacob would have remembered on his own. Maybe, I, I would think that something like that would be hard to forget, but, but years had passed, I don't know. And either way, I think there was something that was powerful and significant about God leading him back to that exact same place, not waiting for him to figure it out, not waiting for him to remember on his own, but leading him back with intentionality to this place and basically saying, remember this? And not as if God was rubbing his face in it to make sure that Jacob held up his end of the bargain. I mean, honestly, I think that a God who waited for years and years while Jacob pretty much did his own thing honestly, probably isn't a God who particularly needs anything from him. But I think he wanted the best life for him. 
I think he wanted Jacob to remember who he was, to remember his faithfulness and, and, and his invitation again to follow him into a life of blessing. Here in this place, God reminds him that he will give him land and descendants and that he will be a great nation. It's almost as if God is just taking this moment to pause and remind him a lot of time has passed, but my promise hasn't changed. So how about you? Have you had experiences with God that you thought would change everything, but then you just ended up kind of blowing past them after all? What would it look like for you to take some time today to think back over your life, to look for the places where God showed up, where God's hand was surely at work, to remember the things he spoke to you then, or maybe some things you committed to him? Is there an adjustment in your life that God might be inviting you to today? Is there a promise or a blessing that he wants to remind you of, reassuring you that he is inviting you to a good future ahead? Or is there maybe someone in your life who you feel desperate to encounter God, someone you wish would get an angel-filled dream that would point them to God forever? And can you trust that the God of wandering, frightened, deceitful Jacob is a God who will keep inviting the people you love the most? and that he is able to make himself known to them. So God, I pray that we would be um, reassured by the reminders of your, your truth in your scriptures today. I pray that we would um, see in you a God who is steady and faithful through all time, and that even when, when time passes and we don't see changes that we had hoped for or changes that maybe we, we once thought were coming and then forgot about, that you are not a God who forgets, but you faithfully lead us back. So would you remind us today of promises that you've spoken? And for ourselves, for the people that we care about the most, um, would you show up in big ways or small ways, um, but in ways that we would recognize you and know you and truly be changed forever? We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.